Well, hey there, everybody. Howdy, buzzards. This is Macy. This is Nicole. And you're listening to Buzz Killers. We did that in the same octave. You said that so many times, and I still don't really quite understand what it means because I don't do music. Well, because there have been times where you go like Buzz Killers, like you do it lower, and I do it higher, but it's like the same note, but one is higher and one is lower. I'll show you on the piano when we go downstairs. Please do. Because <laughs> it's easier to explain. <laughs> my my not musician brain is trying to graphic design that in my head. And I'm like, this isn't working. <laughs> no. Anyway, I also guys. almost drank the wine. I just had to put it back down. No. That's why I put it down and picked up the actual bottle. We're not doing that anymore. <laughs> Hi, guys. Welcome back to the second episode of Cecil, Cecil Hotel, Hotel Month. We did that the same time. That wasn't planned. i am really excited about this episode i've been waiting a long time to do this one i think from the beginning i said i wanted to do this one. i was gonna say this is one that like this month was actually one that we developed early on that was an idea but we didn't want to do it right away yeah it was like a brainchild that we let it grow a little (laughs) yeah well i'm glad we did because it it definitely was a month that we needed to have the time to dedicate to it. I just finished typing up my notes today. I am Yay, so me. excited to hear this. Guys. I've done it before too. It's okay. Just get. <laughs> well, they were done yesterday, but I had to type them in today because I had six full pages of handwritten notes. Anyway, let's get to this one. I'm excited about this one. I'm excited about this one. This is called Once Upon a Vine. And I have, they have like a bunch of different kinds. I got two. This is, I have another one probably will drink the and time. this is the lost slipper sauvignon blanc sauvignon blanc, sauvignon blanc. <laughs> <laughs> but i like the front it's got like all these really tall like branchy trees and then there's just like a serious sliver of a silver moon behind them and you see like just the touch of the girl like running behind the tree and her glass slipper being left behind it's so cool. Yeah, I, the like, other one I think is like the the wolf, like Red wa- Riding Hood's wolf. You got them both, right? Well, there's three that I mm. saw, but one was a Pinot Noir, and I was mm. not about that. Nope. We haven't tried Pinot Noir on this podcast <laughs> yet because I'm afraid. Mm, um, yeah. But my palate has gotten much different. I, yeah, have found significant amounts of reds that I never I like now. thought I would enjoy. No, yeah. That Sixth Sense Syrah is still like so one of my good. favorite red wines so good and then we had um what did we have we had the cabernet right yeah we've tried like all of the reds from freak show and they're all amazing they are all amazing there's uh, and guys we went to bellhurst castle last we weekend did. so you we got to see where that carry wine came from uh, absolutely delicious carry wine that i was a little sad we didn't see any more of because i, I totally would have bought a bottle i, I think was it was limited probably which and makes it me comes really back at a certain point makes me kind of sad because i really was prepared to take a bottle of that wine oh i would have <laughs> bought more for sure but we went to a fancy wedding <laughs> we did and if i mean by the name bellhurst castle it's a, it's a castle freaking castle and so cool. if you follow our patreon i posted some pictures of us in our beautiful dresses <gasps> and the beautiful view of one of the finger lakes and yes. the castle itself and it was just a fun beautiful day and it was amazing it was really <laughs> fun the yeah, food was good oh if you the like dancing was fun if you like wine 
the it. Finger Lakes. Just go to the Finger Lakes in general. Like, yes, road trip around them because there's so many wineries. Just that one day I was with my parents. I think we went to eight different wineries. Yeah, yeah. and we didn't even have to drive far. Yeah, we, I think we drove. At it's like ten minutes between each place. Yeah, at max. Yeah. And it's the whole time you're on lakes. You're on yeah. a lake. So beautiful. So you get to drink wine and enjoy stare some at a scenery. Beautiful and view and it's amazing. Yeah. So highly recommend. Anyway, today we are not <laughs> drinking a Finger Lakes wine. We are drinking no. <laughs> Once Upon a Vine. Tangent. Um, <laughs> so this wine, it says, it is smooth and delicate as a glass slipper. Ooh. Our Sauvignon Blanc will delight your palate and get your taste buds dancing with its fresh, bright flavors of sweet white peach, luscious nectarine, and lemon chiffon icing. Ooh, I'm excited. Lemon, what's lemon chiffon icing because last i checked chiffon is a material that clothing is made out of <laughs> <laughs> i'm like lemon chiffon ice let's see google let's see please enjoy responsibly lemon don't tell me what chiffon to do chiffon icing oh there's ice cream lemon chiffon Oh, what just happened? <laughs> oh, there we go. This is what happens when we try and learn new things. <laughs> a chiffon. It's a cake. It's lemon chiffon cake. So it's the icing that's on a chiffon cake. So they, they a chiffon cake is a hybrid of a sponge and the Genoa cake. I don't know what even what that is. Oh, Jesus Christmas. The addition <laughs> of oil gives this cake its characteristic moist and tender texture. Well, now, what is, now I need to know what Genoa cake is. I don't know. Gen cake. I was going to say, this is this is a deep dive here. Let's Genoa, go. also known as Genoese cake. Oh Genoese cake is an Italian sponge cake named after a city in Genoa. Oh, okay. And associated with Italian and French cuisine. Instead of using chemical leavening, air is suspended in the batter during mixing to provide volume. So it's like an airy cake. I was going to say, so long story short, this is going to taste like a lemony, airy cake. No, icing. It's icing. So It's, it's the icing on the cake. Uh. <laughs> 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 you see the recording? It just like blew up. All right. Well, let's try this and okay. let's see what our mouth feels are. Okay. Ooh. I like that. That's Oh no! This is oh, gonna no. be one of those ones, guys. Oh no! Oh, oh no, 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 no! I spend too much time on TikTok. We need to be spending that time making, making TikToks. <laughs> I started to try and put together like the highlight video from when we went to the Renaissance Fair, and I didn't have time to keep like going. And so I got like almost all the way through like clipping the pieces together and making it look pretty nice. And then I forgot about it, was like, I'm going to go back to this, and did that OCD thing where I closed out all my apps, and I lost all of it, because you can't save it. It didn't save as a draft? Nope. <gasps> I was like, son of a bitch. Oh, my god! I was so mad. Well, <laughs> maybe we'll do more, like, wine tastings on TikTok. That'd be fun. <gasps> and it wouldn't have to be spooky wines. It could just be, like, anything. Oh, my God, it could be. <gasps> I like this. So many ideas. Anyway. I think I give this five out of five mouthfeels. I'm giving it a five out of five mouthfeels. I love it. Ten out of ten, guys. Like, I think my mom would like this one. I get the, like, what did you say? Peach, lemon, and what was the other thing? Uh, nectarine. Nectarine. 
I'm, I mean, I'm getting the citrusy. I was saying, I'm definitely sure. getting the citrusy. It, it's very, it is, and it says it's fresh, which is like. Yeah, that's how I would it, describe it. Is, it, it almost feels like fresh fruit, like in your mouth. Hmm. Yeah. A little more acidic, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, more alcoholic. <laughs> it's, it's almost like when you bite into an apple, like straight off the tree. Hmm. It's got like that, like good acidity to it yeah the sugary yeah 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 i like it a lot so 10 out of 10 recommend friends once upon a vine what was it called the the um lost slipper sauvignon blanc lost slippers i couldn't remember if it was lost or glass slippers i just checked the bottle when you asked me i mean i thought it might have been lost sauvignon blanc instead of lost slipper lost slipper anyway all right guys that's our business and our tangents and our mouth feels Oh, yeah. So let's start talking about this case. Mace, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the Vienna Woods Strangler, also known as Jack Utavega. Actually, it's Vienna Woods Killer. Sorry, not Strangler. Oh. <laughs> he's also known as the Vienna Strangler. Okay. Um, But he's got a million names. He's the Vienna Woods killer. He is Austria's very first serial killer. Very first? Yep. They had never dealt with a serial killer investigation. Well, there's always got to be a first. Before this. First for everything. So, um, Jack Unterweger, and I'm loving this because I get to like say a bunch of German words. It's great. <laughs> um, his mother was named uh, Theresia Unterweger, and his father was an American uh, soldier named Jack Becker. Um, and he was a soldier during World War II and had been in the occupation of Europe that ended in 1955. Okay. Um, Theresia met Jack ba- Becker, not obviously her son, <laughs> in um, Trieste, Italy. And there are like three possibilities of how these two met. One is that they met, p- fell madly in love, and had a passionate fling before he had to go back to the States. Two, it was some sort of sex work. She became pregnant because of prostitution. Or this was something that happened a lot during the time. It was some sort of sexual assault that resulted in pregnancy. Oh. Um, there were lots That's, of... I was going to say, those are three very different theories. They really don't know a lot about his dad because he never knew his dad. Oh, um, but his but his mom like never told that. I mean, I guess. Well, I, you'll see. I don't think I'd want to. I don't think I'd want to tell my kid that story. So uh, you'll you'll see. Um, <laughs> because there were a lot of GIs at the time that like were stationed in Europe after the war, and they were rebuilding, and mm-hmm. you know all of that stuff. And there was a lot of prostitution going on, and there was a lot of sexual assault happening between women in Europe and GIs from America. Okay. Um, so it's possible that any three of these things were what resulted in her pregnancy with Jack. Okay. Um, That's sad. Theresia returned to Austria after she found out she was pregnant because Jack got sent back to America um, and began committing fraud and stealing to support herself. Um, and weeks before giving birth to Jack, um, she was arrested for fraud. Oh, good. And she, when she was released, um, she traveled to Udenburg, Austria, and Jack 
Well, Johann Jack Unterweger was born on August 16th of 1950. I'm sorry. His first name is Johann. Johann. <laughs> I don't know why that makes me want to laugh really hard. <laughs> but his, he, they called him Jack after his father. So there I'm we go. call him Johann. Johann. Like I said, Jack never knew his father. Never met Jack Becker. I don't think Jack Becker knew about him. Mm-hmm. There's that. Yeah. Um, a lot of what we know about Jack's very early life is from a memoir that he wrote in prison. The first time he got in prison. Oh, the first time. Of uh, course. Well, well, we're going to get it. Oh, no. Um, and nobody really knows how much of that is true and how much of that is false. So he just wrote a book. It was published about his own life and it. They don't even know if it's right. Well, Jack, at one point, was um, diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Okay, so probably not right. Uh, (laughs) Which uh, (laughs) means that you have um, an exaggerated, grandiose sense of self, and you often exaggerate achievements and talents to make yourself look better. I'm going to go with the book was probably leaning towards not right (laughs) and if you read it i guess um guys i got a lot of my information i watched a bunch of documentaries i read a bunch of articles but i also listened to this really great podcast called serial killers by parcast um and i listened to it on spotify so a lot of my information comes from them Mm -hmm. thank you serial killers podcast because i couldn't figure out how he got caught in the end it was like a really kind of confusing timeline and they helped me a lot so um that's cool yeah Go listen to them. They're really information driven. It's not like us where we do a lot of banter, a lot of talking. But I like their podcasts, especially when I'm doing things like this, because I like listening to more information heavy things for our podcast specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, But this memoir was written in a way that would gain sympathy from his readers. So, again, how much of this is true and how much of this is fabricated? Exactly. Whatever. Um, in this memoir, ooh, this just turned. <laughs> um, in his memoir, his he claimed that his mother was a prostitute, but this has never been confirmed. And there are actually records that say she worked as a barmaid and waitress. But it is possible that she also engaged in sex work. Okay. Um, yeah, but there, make, it makes sense. But like, and also, guys, fun fact: in Austria, sex work is legal. We're going to talk about that later on. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. When I heard that, I was like, write that down, write that down, write that <laughs> down. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's a lot different than it is in the United States. Um, in 1953, when Jack was two, Theresia was arrested for theft and sent to jail. And this is when he's sent to live with his grandfather, Ferdinand Weiser, in Carinthia, Austria. And he lived with Ferdinand for seven years. According to Jack, <laughs> Ferdinand was, like, an alcoholic and abusive. Mm. Um, no again, who knows if this is true? Yeah. This is all in his memoir. Um, he made Jack act like, quote, this is from his memoir, a court fool, a slave, educated by grandfather to be a fraud's accomplice. Yeah, and if he didn't like this guy, it is most likely he shit on him hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um... And this is another quote from his memoir. His fists were my teacher and I was a good student. Ooh. Um, 
He claims that he was barely given enough food, barely given clothes, um, and that he had no mother figure whatsoever. And only Ferdinand's lovers and a slew of prostitutes would rotate through the house. And apparently this was like a really small house. So there were, I, I think I listened to a documentary where they said that like, he was basically sleeping in the same bed where this stuff was happening, if this is true. So let's see. Oh, yep. If that's true, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> new, new. So, and there's another, um, Jack says in his memoir that he began drinking schnapps um, at the age of five. So there's like early on substance abuse, like physical Jeez. abuse, just stuff going on. No, oh, I just have one question. Sure. Can you read this memoir still? Is yeah, this I think so. readily available to people? Um, I didn't read it because um, I just didn't want to hear his bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just wanted to know if it was something that's still like in print or if it's like if you I try and find it, it's going to be on eBay for $8 million. I <laughs> didn't go looking for it, Okay, um, but I don't know how. I mean, it's written in German, so I don't know if it ever got oh okay ever got translated. Translated, but I mean, probably. Hey guys, if you know, let us know because I'll yeah. read it. I just didn't want to read it to tell you the story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if it's not right, then that's not. Good. Yeah, exactly. Um, a woman named Charlotta Auer, who was Ferdinand's stepdaughter, okay. actually claimed that Jack's version of of events was not true. Um, and actually confronted Jack about this, like, later on in life. He threatened her. She came, like, forward later and, like, it, and was like, this is all fake. This isn't true. Um, she agreed that Ferdinand was, like, rough around the edges, like, because he, he was just, like, a gruff guy. Yeah. Um, but he was not what Jack portrayed him to be in, the, in his memoir. Um, she had lived with Ferdinand in the late 30s and did not have the same experience that Jack had. Um, hmm. And claimed that Jack would, like, manipulate people in the family to get what he wanted. So, like... I can see that. Yeah. And her mother, uh, Maria Springer, also lived with Ferdinand and Jack together for six years from 1952 to 1958. Um, there seemed to be no issues. Interesting. Um, Jack was actually taken from Ferdinand just two months after Maria Springer left the house. Um, and Jack was eight at this time. Okay. Um, and he was placed with Ferdinand's sister by Austrian social services. Um, Please tell me that was at least a slor- sort of better household. Uh, well, me. he runs away. Um, okay. In his memoir, <laughs> he also claims that he ran away to um, Salzburg at some point during his childhood to try and find his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't come across her. He come a- he came across her sister, whose name is Aunt Anna. Um, and she was a prostitute who was eventually murdered by a client. And he states in his memoir that her death had a profound impact on him and he never got over it. Um, and she was the only kind person in his life, according to him. But decades later, Teresia came forward and said that she never had a sister and that this story was completely fabricated. Okay, then. <laughs> so that's bullshit. Um, <laughs> from 1958 until Jack is about 20, we don't know about, like, his movements. We don't know where he went. We don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a year that he spent in a juvenile 
delinquent facility, but from what people can tell and from records, he just traveled a lot through Austria, Germany, and Switzerland. Yeah. Um, and he was committing petty c- crimes at this time, a lot of robbery and fraud. Um, but then it, that eventually escalated to sexual assault. Oh. Um, and that started escalating in his late teens. Um, and he was arrested in 1966 for pimping at 16. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. What? Um, and between the ages of 16 and 25, he was convicted of 16 different sexual assaults. One for every year he's been alive. That's crazy. Oh, my. Um, and a lot of these <laughs> women. Okay, I'm just going to talk about. I'm going to talk about this now. I was going to talk about it a little later, but I'm going to talk about it now. Um. Sex work in Austria is very highly regulated and legal. You can't start working until the age of 19. Okay. Um, but you have to go to the police station and register. So, like, honestly, deaths, that's kind of smart. Deaths of sex workers, like murders, are very seldom because. It's so highly regulated and they all the police officers in the area know all the prostitutes and they will come to the police and report things. And like that's amazing, honestly. Yeah. So a lot of these women that he sexually assaulted came forward and submitted formal complaints about him. Good. Um, that's honestly really smart. Yeah, I know. Like people are going to do it. So you might as well like make it. Make it safe. Safer. Because if you try and make it illegal, that just, it's, it's gonna, they're going to go around so and like, ju- try and pull off stupid things to get away with it. And it's going to make it more, more dangerous. This was my thing about it, too. Because they noticed later on that these women start going missing. And that's very odd for them. Whereas in the United States, if a prostitute goes missing, nobody knows about it. No. And even if, even if it is reported by somebody, half the time, the police don't care. They don't care. But the, they they were like, wait, what? This one went missing? Wait, 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 what? This one went missing? Like, it, it becomes a big deal. It became a big deal because they all were registered and they wouldn't check in and like, you know, anyway. That's honestly fantastic. Yeah, I think Good it's for Austria. Really, really smart. Um, a little while later in his teens, um, he did pick up an unknown woman, an unidentified woman, and, order, uh, and offered her a ride home. Instead of taking her home, he took her to a meadow outside of the city and ex- and sexually assaulted her with a metal rod. Ah. Um, she reported this incident, and he was arrested and imprisoned. Good. And you'll notice throughout his very early life, he is arrested, imprisoned, let go. Arrested, imprisoned, let go. Arrested, imprisoned, let go. It's very frustrating. So their police has a good system, but um, their uh, prisons do not. Yeah. Um. Sources say that he, very early on in his life, he demonstrated the characteristics of sexual sadism, which with a consenting partner um, can be perfectly normal behavior. But when you're doing it with a non-consenting partner, these um, characteristics can lead to deviance and obviously murder, sexual deviance and murder. Um, And when he would sexually assault women. Yeah. he would like pleasure himself while doing this. Um, so you be the judge of whether or not he was a sexual sadist or not. And they say that this w- had a lot to do with like his own impotence. Like, yeah, it's weird. Oh, God. Okay. Um, while in jail for assaulting this unknown woman, 
he attempted to commit suicide um, by hoarding prescription pills that he'd been given. Um, but this uh, attempt failed, and he was sent to a psych- psychiatric facility instead, and then was eventually released. Why do they keep releasing this man? I don't know. After being released, Jack, from this incident, Jack gets a job as a radio DJ, and he's pimping on the side, and he's, like, <laughs> constantly in and out of jail, like I said. <laughs> Living the life, radio DJ and pimping. <laughs> um, after in, in 1973, after being jailed for some unknown reason, <laughs> um, Jack was released and moved to Vels, Austria. And then again, he moves around a lot. And then in Janu- January of 1973, he travels to Basel, Switzerland. Um, okay. and this is this next case that I'm going to talk to talk to you about has never been confirmed. Jack has never had never confessed to this, but they the authorities in Austria do think that this um, was his first victim. They think he is. They have him as like the main suspect. Yeah, it's it's very similar to the rest. Okay. so on March 31st of 1973, 25 year old Maritza Horval, um, who was a Croatian woman, uh, um. Who had moved to Salzburg, Austria. So if somehow he gets back to Austria. I'm like telling you, it's like Switzerland, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Germany, Austria. Like all the time he's moving. <laughs> it's just so now out. he's back in Austria, I guess. Um, she went out into the city with friends and did not mm-hmm. return home. Mm-hmm. Um, her husband contacted friends and neighbors but could not get a hold of her. And on April 1st, 1973, a group of boys um, – that were by Zaltzak Lake, which is right outside Salzburg, found Maritza's body. Um, she was naked from the waist down. Her hands were bound with a red necktie. Her ankles were bound with her own pantyhose. Um, and there were bandages and tape, possibly from some sort of a medical kit, that were wrapped around her head. And when authorities cut the tape off to, like, see her face, she, she had been very badly beaten. Oh. Um... Hmm. Uh, on April 4th of 1973, Jack was arrested for illegally trying to cross the German border into Switzerland. Um, okay. And on April 6th of 1973, Maritza's husband finally went, it's been like a week, finally went to the police to file a missing persons report. Um, and based on his description of his wife, and the passport photo he brought with him, uh, the police brought him down to the morgue to identify a Jane Doe, who oh was Maritza, no. who these boys had found in the, um, in the oh woods. Oh my god! Um, that's gotta be awful. I know. Like you, you hold up hope that she's gonna come home, and you're finally like, okay, I have to go file a missing persons report, and you get there, and they're just like, well, come down to the morgue. We think we have her dead, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. And, like, uh, there's no record of whether or not she actually, like, was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she was. She was just maybe some woman he found. I'm not really sure how they would have even crossed paths. But, again, he's never confessed to this. What have you. Um, I've, um There's an investigator who comes up a lot during this investiga- investigation. His name is August Schenner. Um, and he thought that this necktie that was binding her uh, hands uh-huh. looked very 
unique. Um, he mm. discovered that it had been made in Vienna and was sent to Vels. And that he found the shop where it had been sent. And the shop record stated that there were three dates that where this tie had been purchased. Um, March 10th, 16th, and 17th. But no one could identify the man who had purchased it. And there were no records because he had paid in cash. That is some crazy record keeping. But <laughs> he was living in Vels. He had traveled to Switzerland. Yeah. But he was living in Vels. So it's a possibility. So it's possible. Um, But the case went cold after this. There was no physical evidence. There was nothing to tie. So anybody, and they didn't even know about Jack Unterweger really at the time. At the time, um, yeah. So many believe, like I said, this that Maritza was Jack's first victim. There's no concrete evidence to prove it. But her death is very similar to the other victims. That when did they link him to it? After he was arrested in America, probably? Uh, we'll talk about that. Oh, okay. Because August, Jen- <laughs> August Jenner believes there's another murder that occurs, like, right after this mm-hmm. that, like, piques his interest. Because he's like, this is real similar. So he believes Jack Unterweger is, like, the culprit from the get-go. Okay. From when he sees the evidence from this next case. That Thinks they're all linked. About. Yeah. Okay. So, like I said, on April 4th, of 1973, Jack had been arrested illegally trying to cross um, the German border into Switzerland. But he's released in August of 1973, um, and he begins living in Frankfurt, Germany. Oops, sorry. On December 11th of 1974, Jack Unterweger kills 18-year-old Margaret Schaefer who is a German citizen and he's living in Germany at the time Mm -hmm. and he's 24 or 25 at this point. He and his then girlfriend, Barbara Schultz drove to Barbara's parents' house with the intent to rob them. And they lived in Auerbach, Germany. Um, Once they got there, they discovered that the house was locked and that her parents were home. So obviously that's not going to work. They were thinking that they weren't going to be there. At this point, Barbara sees her friend, her old friend, Margaret Schaefer, walking down the street. Uh, Jack told Barb that he wanted to rob Margaret, and um, Barb was like, okay. And Barb went and convinced <laughs> Margaret to get in her car. Or get what? in the car. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? She helped him. She helped him kidnap her. Like, oh, look. There's my old friend. Oh, hey, honey. Yeah. Let's go rob her. Yeah, like, yeah what sure. the fuck? Like, what? Yeah, what the fuck? Who was just like, okay, honey. Sure. It's weird. Jesus. Um, like I said, they got Margaret into the car. And at some point, they turned to her and like, hey, you want to go get like a drink or something? And she's like, sure. Like, you know, she thinks she's just hanging out with her old friend and her boyfriend. Um, at some point during this drive, Jack pulls over and pulls Margaret up to the front seat. And um, bound her hands with the belt from her own jacket. Uh, he demanded that she give him money, but she didn't have much. So he like I can't I couldn't tell they're like in the podcast um, podcast 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 um, <laughs> the serial killers podcast. Let's just say that um, they said that. Margaret said that her parents had more money and gave them the key. 
I'm not saying that she didn't give them the key. It's possible she was forced to give them the key. Mm-hmm. But then I saw another source that said that Jack just like up and decided that he was going to rob her parents. So like I'm not really sure which is true. But either way, he gets the key to Margaret's parents' house and they go and they rob Margaret's parents' house. Um, okay. Barbara goes in um, and she steals some money and she steals some clothing. And when she comes back, Jack tells Barbara that they need to make Margaret disappear. And Mar- and Barbara is like, hmm, totally fine with this. What is wrong with her? Um, they drove to a, a secluded area where um, Jack stripped Margaret when she refused to undress in front of him. Um, and he dragged Margaret into the woods, but Barbara did not go. She stayed at the car. Oh, at this point, she's finally was like, nah, this is too much for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, what did you think he meant by need to make her disappear? Like, mm. anyway. Um, oh, my God. He proceeded to beat Margaret with a metal bar and strangle her with her own bra. Mm. Um, her body was discovered in late December of that same year. So of um, 1974 uh, by hunters. Um. In, 19, in January, very, like, right after this, in 1975, uh-huh. Unterweger and Barbara and an unknown 16-year-old girl robbed a jewelry store together. After this robby, robbery, the trio tried to uh, flee to Switzerland, where Jack decided it would be a great idea to try and scam the 16-year-old girl's parents and, like, says that he's kidnapped her and wants ransom money. They agree to pay the ransom, but little does he know that they have contacted the police. Duh. Um... <laughs> And so while they go, while Barbara and Jack go to pick up the ransom money, uh, they're intercepted by authorities. Um, And (laughs) they figure out, the police figure out that Unterweger is connected to Margaret Schaefer's murder because Barbara has loose lips (laughs) and tells (laughs) them everything. (laughs) Um, and Barbara was like, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And she (laughs) openly admits to helping him like kidnap, kidnap her and talks, tells them all about it. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. August Schenner sees the details. Who's that from Maritza for Maritza's murder. Sees the details of Margaret's murder. And on June 11th of 1975, visits Jack Unterweger in prison. Ballsy. And asks him about Maritza's murder, but Jack gives him the runaround like he's not going to tell him anything. Of course. He has no proof proof or evidence to connect Jack. Um, so he leaves empty-handed, basically. But he's like, this guy did this. This well, stuff is the same. Yeah. Like, this is, like, very, very similar. And he was in the area of at the time. Like, all it just very weird. Fits. All very weird. Honestly, good for him for having that, like, the guts, basically, to go and be like, did you fucking do this? Like, mm-hmm. I'd be freaking terrified, even if he was on the other side of a glass window. Right. So... Uh, Jack gets put on trial and honestly I'm gonna just tell you right now I don't know what happens to Barbara I don't know if she got tried I don't know anything um her story just ends her, yeah just ends there <laughs> um but in 1976 uh Jack goes on trial for Margaret Schaefer's murder and he confesses right away uh he claimed that he suddenly saw his mother's face 
when he dragged Margaret into the woods and became so enraged that he beat her, beat her to death and strangled her. That's not a good reason. Um, he tried to garner sympathy no. with the jury, which didn't work. Of course not. And he <laughs> was convicted of the crime and sentenced to life in prison. We all know that ain't true. <laughs> he is sent to Stein Prison, which is like in the foothills of the Alps, actually. Um, which is a maximum security prison. Like crazy. How did this man ever get released? Well, we're going to talk about that right now. Oh, God. We're going to talk about that right now. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> so while in prison, Jack decides to take advantage of all of the time that he has. And this basically illiterate man learns to read and write. Um, he began taking writing classes. He obviously took like classes on how to read and, and, and stuff like that. He becomes so good at reading and writing that he becomes the editor of the prison magazine and the literary review. Casual. Um, in 1979, three years after his conviction, he begins to write short poems, uh, stories, plays, and children's stories. No. No, which, no. Which get picked up by Austria's like most famous public broadcasting company called ORF. No, no. No, no. This man murdered people. Let's not share his writing with children. I don't care what it says. That's weird. Yep. Here, kids, read this book written by a man who murdered people. Yeah, not, that they, I mean, not that the kids know that shit, but are you, that's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> he also begins to write this memoir that I talked to you guys about. It is called Purgatory or the Trip to Prison Report of a Guilty Man. Uh, it started as a serial, which was published in mon in Monoscripta, a famous literary magazine. If you don't know what a serial is, um, serial fiction is a is literature that is released in sequential installments, much like the format of an episodic TV show. I was just gonna say, like a TV show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the full book is published in 1983. He also has another book that is published in 1984 called Terminal Prison, and I'm, I really want to say this. It's called Enstachen Auchtaus. Zauchtaus. Sorry. I wanted to say it really bad. God bless you. Zauchtaus. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Which won a literary prize. Why? Um, stop, stop giving this man things. He's a murderer. His poems were being taught in school. Oh, my God. And Nobel Prize winners even praised his work. I'm sorry for just breaking everybody's eardrums, but oh my god! <laughs> what? Um, much of his writing contained disturbing themes. One, one poem included the line, no theme is more poetic than the death of a beautiful woman. Like, and people are still... And everybody's like, oh my god, this is so this beautiful. Is great. <laughs> this guy's just psychotic. His memoir becomes a bestseller. I hate this so much. <laughs> and Unterweger begins giving readings of his work from jail. And I wrote, on the telly. On the telly. <laughs> Do you want to know who his main fan base was? Sorry, I got really distracted by, by a, a fruit bug. fly. <laughs> <laughs> we brought them home. Oh, seriously. Um, um, I, I wrote, his main fan base? The Austrian elite. Wh why? So, like, like, intellectuals, people who wrote, like, playwrights, authors, 
scientists, like the entire like this whole intellectual society that is like so supposed to be so cultured and so prim and proper in Austria start liking a murderous man's work. No. Yeah. Just one word. No. So they <laughs> no longer saw him as a monster, but as a victim. Oh! Because that was the way the book was written. I am upset right now. <laughs> the <laughs> And they thought that he was the model candidate for prison reform. Like, polit- politicians start getting in on this. Like, no joke. Being a published au- author does not mean you're reformed. Okay, ready? His redemption was possible, they thought, through the power of the arts. Yes, I'm giggling. I. It is very therapeutic and it can be helpful. But he killed someone but violently. This man is a violent murderer. And this is. This is not okay. And so let me just tell you something, too. His work was not being read by the common Austrian folk. It is being read by intellectuals, people with influence. Um, and they liked his writing because it was raw and real. And then I wrote in all caps, never mind the murderous undertones. I'm very angry. I'm sorry. I just got very distracted. Okay. You- <laughs> um... <laughs> So this class of people, this high elite um, intellectual class of people, uh-huh. begin petitioning for his release in 1985. Oh, yes. They are so elite and so smart that they want a murderer out of prison. This is a quote from the lineup. His writing demonstrated his rehabilitation. That's what they said was the reason in what way? for why. Yeah, I don't know. He wrote about how beautiful a dead woman is. Yeah. Are you? That's not reformed. That's yeah. psychotic. He also, like I said, he also caught the eye of several politicians who were um, who were advocating for pr- new prison reform laws at the time. You can advocate for prison reform and not release murderers. So they wanted to <laughs> prove that he could be re-socialized. I do not like this. Um, and this is from the New York Daily News dot com. It's a direct quote. In the eyes of Austria's cafe intellectuals, the book was proof that even a monster could be saved and it, and that its author deserved his freedom. There was also a historian and radio talk show host who is really famous named um, Peter Humer. Um, and he believed that Un- Unterweger possessed a rare talent and obviously a ton of people agreed. Okay. I'm sorry. You can be talented. You can be an amazing writer. But you can also still be a fucking psychopath that has murdered people and belongs behind bars. This is a quote directly from Humor. Unterweger represented the great hope of Unterweger represented the great hope of intellectuals that through the verbalization of problems you can somehow get to grips with them. We wanted to believe him very badly. And that's a quote from The Independent. Okay. You're probably going to tell me this, and if you're going to answer this later on, you don't have to tell me right now. What Do we find out when he's diagnosed with the narcissism? No. We don't. It's w- it's during one of those, like, prison things where he's, like, in and out. Because I'm, I'm, just, I'm just curious if Very it, early it, on. at this point, if it's known no, that it's he... No, it's not known. Okay. He knows it, probably. He probably knows the diagnosis, but they don't. Um, because like, I mean, that would obviously change your perspective if you were like, yeah, this guy wrote this amazing book and they were like, oh yeah, but he's like diagnosed narcissist. Like 
terrible, terrible narcissist. You'd be like, okay, that changes my perspective of the book a little bit. So yeah. like, but uh, he also <laughs> gets diagnosed later, and I let me get these notes. Where is it? Oh, maybe it's not here. Um, but of malignant mar- narcissism, which is apparently like much worse. That's what you said. That's what you said. Well, it's narcissistic personality disorder and PD. Yeah. But then he also later gets like um, diagnosed with malignant narcissism, which is something. It's pretty much the same, but a little more sinister. I'm not surprised. Um, Unterweger also claimed that writing the book had, and this is a quote from the New York Daily News, released him from his demons. He no longer recognized the killer he had been. Um, Purgatory, his memoir, was made into a movie in 1989. A movie that he was allowed to help with. And he and the director had creative differences. <laughs> Sorry. Um, really? And, and Jack was even able to go to the premiere at the Vells Film Festival. They let him out to go to the premiere. Please tell me he at least had to walk the red carpet in handcuffs. I don't think so. No son of a bitch. Um, this whole thing upsets me so much. <laughs> so they got this petition going, whatever, but he could, because of his crime mm-hmm. and the nature of it, and and because of his sentence, which was life in prison, Yeah. Um, he could not be pardoned automatically by the austrian president um so he had to undergo a psyche valve um by and that was he, that was done by dr gerhard kaiser how on, did he pass that psyche valve that doctor should be fired let's talk about this uh, <laughs> uh, uh, he, d- he did this evaluation on april 27th of 1990 um he claimed that jack was rehabilitated and that writing was the avenue that jack needed to express himself um <laughs> So, (laughs) he had to wait because of his sentence. He could not be automatically pardoned, like I said. He had to wait 15 years. He had to be jailed for a minimum of 15 years. Um, It's not enough. But on May 23rd, 1990, he was released from prison on parole. Okay, remind me when you went, what year was he born? Mm, I gotta go up. Sorry, I just, I forgot. 1950, he was born. And he was released, so he's only 40. He's almost 40 when he's released. Yeah, he's yeah. like 39, about to turn 40. Yeah. Um. Okay. Like I said, this is the minimum requirement for a life sentence. He had to serve 15 years. Yeah. Minimum. Um, the prison governor also declared, and this is from allthingsinteresting.com, we will never find a prisoner so well prepared for freedom. I think you might find a million prisoners better prepared for freedom. <laughs> I go on. I can't. <laughs> After his release from prison, Jack becomes an instant celebrity. Not a joke. He went on a national book tour. He went on TV shows. And he eventually became a talk show host. Maybe that's what we need to become famous. Let's murder somebody, go to prison, write an amazing fucking book, and then we'll just have a movie, go on a book tour, and we'll be famous. It'll be fine. He just wrote lies about himself. It's yeah. not even real. Um, <laughs> he bought a Mustang, which is a foreign car, which has to be shipped from the United States. Uh-huh. 
Um, and especially this, back then, that's difficult. Yeah, this Mustang had well, a custom. I guess it's 1990, but anyway. This uh, <laughs> Mustang had a custom plate that said W Jack One. He bought designer clothes. He was photographed for magazine covers. And he got a new girlfriend who was the same age as Margaret Schaefer. Oh. I, apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for just like half burping into the microphone. I opened my mouth to be angry and a burp came out. But, <laughs> but okay, I'm sorry. This man murdered somebody. He had a and slew of girlfriends. Now a fucking all but basically a celebrity because he wrote a good book and a few poems. Because he was successfully rehabilitated in their eyes, yes. I and then girls wanted to date that. Girls wanted to date that. I'm were all of those girls mentally evaluated because good lord. I don't know. I hope so. He also became a reporter for that um public broadcasting firm that I told you about, ORF. They hired him. Of course. So on September 14th of 1990, he went to Prague. I couldn't tell if he like just visited or if he moved. But either way, he's in Prague in September of 1990. Yes. I have one more one more question about the previous little bit. Yes. You said that he was photographed for a lot of things. Can we see these photographs? Yes, you can. Okay. I will post them. That's what I want to know. Because there's one <laughs> photograph where he's like in this white silk suit and he like looks ridiculous. And then there's another one where he's like shirtless and you see all his prison tattoos. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, so, like I said, on September 14th, 1990, he's in Prague and he's studying the red light district. Oh. Okay. He was, quote, r- quote, unquote, writing a story about the red light district in Prague and went there for research. Oh, uh, yes. The murderer is going to the red light district for research. On September 15th of 1990, four months. <laughs> or I said 15th. Sorry, September 15th of 1990. Yep. No, that, no you said 15th. Oh, okay. I did good. No, the only reason I responded like that is because that is exactly one year before Ryan was born. Mm-hmm. He was born in 91 on September 15th. <laughs> Four months after Unterweger's release, he kills 30-year-old Blanca Bochkova. Um, She is found by the Vyatva River um, near Prague, which at the time was um, Czechos- formerly Czechoslovakia. Is now the Czech Republic. Okay. Um, she was married with two children. Oh. And she had gone out the night before to have drinks with friends. Um, and there was like this kind of. She worked at a butcher shop, but there were reports that she also traded sex for favors? Question mark. So I'm not really sure if she was a prostitute or what. But there were she rumors had two about kids. that. She's got to make a living. Mm. Um, so she went out on September 14th uh, with friends. Or sorry, she went on out the night of the 15th. What am I talking about? She went out with friends. And um, stay, she stayed out after they had all, all of them had gone home. Um, friends did say that as they were leaving that night, they saw her getting drinks. Um, 
like with a man that was in his 40s like talking to him Mm, Um, her body was found by hikers she was naked except for her wedding ring covered in leaves lying on her back with her legs spread open her gray stockings were around her ankles Mm. she had bruises all over her and like slice marks in her butt cheeks oh and her clothes and id were found by authorities in the immediate area Mm. um following blanca's murder jack goes back to vienna and begins production for a play um the play was a flop good major flop and jack took this very badly oh no you poor fucking murderer and he killed his next victim not long after. I'm so bitter. But I really want to <laughs> tell you guys this. This is a pattern. Things don't go well in his life. And he kills people. Like, this happens a couple of times. Where something not great happens in his personal life. And he goes and he kills somebody. Oops, I'm pissed off. Time to murder. Yeah. God, I would be a lot of dead people if I did that. So at some point... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> At some point between Blanca's murder and when he does this floppy play, <laughs> <laughs> he travels to Graz, um, which is in Austria. Okay. Um, and on October 26, 1990, Brunhilde Maser, who was 39, a well-known prostitute in the area, goes missing. Okay, I'm sorry. I like her name. Brunhilde. Brunhilde. Yeah, it's pretty great. She sounds badass. Yes. Um, her body was found two months later oh. on January 5th, 1991. And her death was very similar to Blanca's. Very she was sad. naked and showed signs of strangulation. Her clothes and purse were missing. And she was actually identified by her jewelry. Oh, no. And guys, I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through a lot of victims really fast right now. Oh, no. Just so you know. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I just had a hiccup. You're fine. (laughs) On December 5th of 1990, Heidi Marie Hammerer, who was 31, disappeared. Her body is not discovered until New Year's Eve of 1990. March 7th of 1991, 35-year-old Elfrida Schrempf goes missing. Her parents were actually called by Jack following her disappearance what are you laughing about nothing <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay i was like did i say something funny <laughs> i'm like this is serious i know i'm sorry oh okay their number was actually unlisted wait they her the her parents number her parents called him no he called them oh i'm sorry i reversed that jack called them following her disappearance their number was unlisted and the authorities think that jack forced her to give them the give him the number before she died so that had to be this um oh and her body was not discovered until october 5th of 1991 and i'm just guys a lot of the like jack this is why he's called the vienna woods killer all of their bodies are dumped in the woods not found for months various um stages of decomposition 
Uh, yeah, it's not good. That's why oh. they call him the Vienna Woods killer. Are you okay? Yes, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I, like, went to swallow and hiccuped and was like... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and like almost just dropped a whole mouth full of wine on myself. Good. So some of the like, and I, I, I had a hard time. I know that um, Brunhilde was from Graz. I think Elfrida was from Graz. Guys, this was all very confusing. He hops around, like I said, a lot. Yeah. So there are a lot of these victims are in Vienna. A couple of them are from Graz. Like I said, Margaret Schaefer is um is German, but that mm-hmm. happens before. And mm-hmm. um. Blanca Bochkova is Czech. So it's all over the place. Um, And between April and May of 1991, four other sex workers go missing. Sylvina, or sorry, Sylvia, sorry. Sylvia Zegler, who's 23, disappeared on April 8th of 1991. She was found on August 4th of 1991. Jesus. Uh, Sabina Moitzi who was 25, disappeared on April 16th. She was found on May 20th of 1991. Regina Prem, who was also 25, disappeared on the 28th. Where are my notes? She's not found for a long time. (laughs) Macy has two sets of notes today. Yeah, sorry. Some are handwritten and some are typed because she is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I'm impressed, though. Your handwriting is very neat. Is Mine. it? Yes. Thank you. My ass would have been like, what does this say? What the fuck? Oh, and her husband also got calls. Regina Prem. Oh. Her husband also got calls from Jack. Um, How did they prove it was him? Did he, like, give them... Did he, like, say details that nobody else knew? Did he... Like, taunt them about the death before they found the body? Like, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. I'm not even going to say that I know. Where is this? Anyway, whatever. I'll let you know if I remember when she's found. But she's not found for a while. Um, And then Karina Sladka. She's 32. She disappeared on May 7th. And she was found on May 23rd. Jeez. Um... And this is when Austrian police, in it, at, at least in Vienna, realize they're dealing with a serial offender. Just now. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. How many people did you just name? Uh, there was at least seven to a, ten. Well, some of them are not are in Graz, so they have their own. So, like, Vienna's getting their oh, victims. Okay. Graz is getting their victims. Prague is getting their victims. They don't know any of these cases are related. So the, all they know about is like the four or five that happened in Vienna. That's terrifying. Um, but it still had to hit the point of four or five before they were like, oops, there might oh, be a serial killer. I found it. Regina Prem's, not bo- Regina Prem's body is not found for six months. Oh, my God. Terrible. All of Jack's victims were murdered with their own clothing and dumped in the forests around Vienna, Graz, and Prague. Mm-hmm. Um. All were tied with, like, all were strangled. What are you laughing about? (laughs) Sorry. My brain reverted to earlier. I'm trying to shut it off. Okay. The wine has settled. (laughs) I was like, what am I saying? That's gone through almost both of my glasses of wine in this first hour of this episode. So, (laughs) 
I'm not even done with my first. I'm trying to hide the smirk, but my my face can't. I'm sorry. I apologize. Please keep going. They all were t- like the all of the knots that were tied. Um, like on their clothes, like clothing yeah. uh, articles of clothing were tied on them and stuff like that. A lot of them were found with their um their pantyhose, pantyhose wrapped yeah. around their neck. Some Ooh. of them around their ankles. Um, they they all were tied with a very specific knot that allowed for the perpetrator to continually revive the victim and then choke them again until they passed out. That's so fucked. Um, I hate this. And like I said, within the first 12 months of his freedom, he had killed at least six women. This guy is seriously psychotic. Yeah. Um, he also interviewed local prostitutes in Vienna about the killings, asking them if they were scared and stuff. Little did they know they were talking to the murderer. Um, Who was probably trying to pick his next victim. Mm-hmm. He wrote articles criticizing the way the police were handling the cases. And he became the go-to crime journalist for a lot of newspapers because of his intimate knowledge of crime. I am upset by this. Um, so this interview that Jack has with Max Edelbacher, mm-hmm. it's audio, but the audio is played in a television broadcast that Edelbacher watches. Mm-hmm. He did not put two and two together that Jack Unterweger was the man who had killed Margaret Schaefer. And does not realize this until his wife points it out while they're watching the TV program. Um, there is also, at this time, a couple of days before um, Jack interviews Max Edelbike, Edelbacher sorry. on May 31st of 1991, August Schenner had called in a tip. To the Vienna police. I like this guy. Urging them to look more into Jack Unterweger. This tip had not been given to Edelbacher until after he had been interviewed by Jack. And this is when Edelbacher puts him under surveillance. Finally, somebody that takes this fucking seriously. But... The police officers follow him for a few days and say he's just a normal rehabilitated guy. Uh, you can't follow somebody for three days and go, oh, yeah, they're, they're fine. And th- th- not every murderer murders every fucking day. Oh, my God. So they take him off surveillance. This man has literally been in jail for murder. And they're like, oh, it just makes him a better crime writer. He's totally rehabilitated. I'm so upset right now. <laughs> At one point, he even goes back to Edelbacher, not realizing that he had been under surveillance at some point. And, and at this point, he hasn't even entered the United States yet, has he? He's about to. Fuck Jesus. He says, he tells Edelbacher that he has a trip coming up. Oh! To L.A. I have good timing. <laughs> and asks if he has any, asks Edelbacher, the police chief in Vienna, if he has any, um contacts at the LAPD so he can get ride-alongs and shit. Edelbacher does not and tells him to have a good trip. <laughs> Bye, murderer. So by this point, um, Jack has taken a 
job with an Austrian magazine, a- another Austrian magazine, of course, as a reporter. Um, and the first assignment they take him on is to Los Angeles, and he lands there on June 11th of 1991. And this article that he's writing is supposed to focus on the differences between Austrian and American sex, sex work and the perception of sex work. Uh-huh. Um, he took rides with the LAPD um, through the red light district. He took a four-hour ride on June 5th of 1991. And where do you think he stayed, ladies and gentlemen? The Cecil Hotel! Why am I talking about this guy? Because <laughs> he stayed at the Cecil! Finally, we've made it. He knew that there were cheap rooms there that were often used by prostitutes to entertain clients. Um, I'm sorry, did the light just dim? Oh! oh! It's back. It's back now. That's great. Okay. That was weird. I was like, please tell me I'm not having a stroke and no, you saw no, that it too. Happened. <laughs> it happened. Um, oh, one of the light bulbs went out. I, because when I, no, oh, when it dimmed. Oh, maybe. Because when it dimmed, I looked up and went, oh, one of the light bulbs is out. And then it came back up and I just looked up again and I was like, oh, well, now they're all back on. It was the one pointing at you. Oh. Just so you know. Hello. So you stare into My the light. My spotlight. Um. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's, like, he would, and then while he was staying at the Cecil, he would like walk around and interview all of the prostitutes walking around. Um, and they actually agreed to talk to him and would go up to his room with him. No, no, because he was a reporter and they didn't know any different. And these people, like, okay, you know what? Like, people in America knew nothing about this. I'm just glad we now currently live in a world where. Most people are aware of stranger danger. Mm-hmm. And so even a sex worker is going to look at somebody and be like, I don't care if you say you're a reporter. I'm not going to your room. You can talk to me right here in the middle of the street. And if anybody knows, if anybody's watched that Cecil Hotel documentary on Elise Lamb, you should know this. Uh, the Cecil Hotel is right on the border of what they call Skid Row. Yes. Um, Skid, Skid Row. If you guys don't know Little Shop of Horrors, I hate you. Go watch it. We I don't, don't hate you. I love you. But hate you. Just go watch We're it. We're a little sad. Please go watch Little Please Shop of Horrors. Please go watch Little <laughs> Shop of Horrors. Okay. So while in LA doing all of this, mm-hmm. he meets um, with a reporter named Frances Schoenberger. And she is the German correspondent. You are laughing at the name. I know. I That's what you're laughing at. <laughs> I just heard burger and I was like, hey. Um, <laughs> she was the German correspondent for Stern magazine. Okay. Um, he asks Schoenberger to help him find Jack Becker. Now suddenly he's interested in his father when he's like 45. Yeah, exactly. Um, but at this point, you're being lucky if the man is not fucking in a wheelchair with dementia or dead like yeah and he even knows about you yeah that's true he might not even know about you yeah. oh, anyway keep going on 19 <laughs> uh, on june 17th 1991 uh francis calls jack back and t- says that she could not find him she had called all of her contacts in um washington dc and could not find him jack takes this badly okay but this is like one person and she might not have that many contacts in washington dc and like how do you find one man in the middle of the united states that you know know nothing about but his name and that might not even be his real name 
Like, I mean, he served, but that don't mean shit. I know. And on June 19th of 1991, two days later, 35-year-old Shannon Axley goes missing. Of course. (laughs) On June 20th, her body is found on the shoulder of Pomona Freeway in Boyle Heights. There are body fluids, bodily fluids, found on her body. But they are from six or seven different people. So they can't pinpoint who could possibly be her murderer at this time. Say at this point, they have a handful of suspects. Um, oh, man. I just can't. Uh, ten days later, on... Oh, yeah. June 28th <laughs> of 1991, Irene Rodriguez goes missing. She is found on July 11th um, in the same neighborhood beside a truck. Um, oh, this says that her body was found the next day. What am I doing? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I was reading the wrong one. I'm so sorry. That's why. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Her body is found on June 29th. She goes missing on June 28th. Okay, so the next day. So the next day, she is found in the same neighborhood of Boyle Heights beside a truck dock. And on July 11th, um, Peggy Booth, who also went by Sherry Long, she was 26, was found dead in Malibu um, in a canyon. In a canyon? Yeah, covered in brush. Jack had traveled to Malibu. Of course he had. On July 3rd. Motherfucker. And I have a story. Bring it on. He had traveled to Malibu to meet with an Austrian director who was living in the United States. He wanted this director to make an English adaptation of Purgatory. The guy didn't want to. And he didn't care. He's like, cool, dude, whatever, bye. Why did you come to my house? How did you find me? Wait, he, like, didn't actually have a formal meeting with this man? He just, like, figured out where he lived, showed up at his house, and was like, hey, man, will you turn my weird German movie into a fucking U.S. adaptation? U.S. English adaptation? Yes, that is exactly what he did. I would have been like, get away from me, stalker. Yeah, (laughs) he had picked up... Peggy Booth on Sunset Boulevard that night drove her back to Malibu and murdered her there. Like that's a far ways way. But again, (sighs) do you notice the correlation where bad things happen in his professional life or personal life? And then he goes and murders somebody. (laughs) Guys being sad and mad is not a reason to to murder. Go punch punch a pillow, drink some wine, (laughs) take a a nap. I don't know. All three women had been sexually assaulted with tree branches. Mm. <coughs> sorry. That was the wrong day, time to take a large sip of wine. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. That's horrible. They had <coughs> been strangled with their own bras and savagely beaten. Oh. And they were also all tied with the same signature and um, this is something interesting. I found this in a um, 
uh, in a documentary. I think it's the BBC documentary that I watched. Yeah. Um, this knot is very specific, and they actually had a woman from the FBI come to his trial to testify that this knot was very specific. Interesting. And then it could only have been done by one person. Um, well, because to achieve this knot, the bras had to be dismantled. What? He had to take out the left side of elastic. So all of their bras had this elastic taken out to be able to achieve the knot that he wanted without it, like, because you know how... Without it, not, like, not, like, coming apart, really. You know how elastic, if you tie it, will just come apart? Yeah. That's why he did that. That's crazy. Um, There are some accounts that vaguely refer to a fourth victim in the U.S., in San Diego, but no charges were ever filed in that case, and there's no concrete evidence to um, connect him to that. And that's from Murderpedia, friends. So that's that. Sad. Two of the three victims were last seen in the vicinity of the Cecil Hotel. So there you go. Um, I hate this. Jack Unterweger was obviously <coughs> allowed excuse me, to leave L.A. following this because they did not suspect Unterweger at the time. They did not know who he was. Yeah. Um, and he was able to return to Austria with no problems. Um, Murdercation. Sorry. <laughs> That's what he just went on. <laughs> While And he was, he was in L.A. for five weeks. Jesus. While in L.A., the murders in Vienna stop. Huh. Wonder why. So Graz and Vienna begin to kind of connect all of the cases that they have at this point. Took them long enough. Um, and they bring Jack in for questioning when he comes back. He claims that he was they they t- and um he's brought into questioning in Graz. Sorry. Not yeah. in Vienna. Vienna is weird. They're like, we don't have enough evidence. We don't have enough evidence. And Graz is like, fuck that. Yeah, we do. And <laughs> they go and they grab him. Like, not even a joke. Oh, I can I got pour you. it. Okay, thank I you. I got you. I got um, the wine. I'm so, the wine winch today. So they ask him where he was during the two murders in Graz. Uh-huh. Um, and he claimed that he was in Vienna for one of them and that he couldn't remember his whereabouts for the other. And his alibis did not check out. Um, and at this time, another crime reporter went through some documents, like, and they're kind of like the 10 things like fun to do in New York, like that kind of thing. But it was like in Graz, like what's going on in Graz, like in the newspapers, like concerts and, you know, fun events and things like that. He and goes, at the bottom of the list is just like murder. What? No, 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 no. <laughs> He's just like looking through like the fun things that you could do <laughs> yeah. in Graz during this time and found that. Jack Unterweger had been giving a reading of his work in a cafe on March 7th in a town that was 120 kilometers from Graz. This same reporter on September 1st, 1991, well, he had already submitted it, but the article that he wrote comes out in The Courier. Uh Uh-huh. He had somehow found out about August Schrenner's tip and the similarities in all the cases. 
and basically named Jack Unterweger as the murderer in this article. Wait. So, like, he, like, he goes through, like, he finds out that, like, Jack was in Graz. Yeah. Or, or in and around Graz at the time of some of these murders in Graz. Yeah. He does more investigating, finds out about all the Vienna shit, finds out, out about Auguste Jenner's tip yes. about, Maritz, about Maritza's stuff and about how that matches Margaret and how that matches this. Nobody knows, of, like, let's just put this out there right now. Nobody knows about Blanca Bochkova's murder in Prague yet. Okay. It's only Vienna talking to each other right now. Yeah. And nobody knows about L.A. Just Vienna is talking to each other. And so he basically in this article is like, there's all this evidence. Jack Unterweger killed all these women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> so, and he does go, he does go try to talk to, to Max Edelbacher. And he basically is like, yeah, we're not looking into you, but like they are. And like, you know, he kind of gets wind of the fact that he's a suspect. Uh-oh. So like I told you guys. Vienna's like, oh, we don't have enough evidence. But Graz is like, fuck that. Fuck that. Oh, and on God. February 14th, 1992, a SWAT team from the Graz Police Department raids his Vienna de- uh, vi- bleh, raids his Vienna home with a warrant without telling the Vienna authorities. <laughs> they like just do it. <laughs> um <laughs> while in his home they discover multiple weapons he had a shotgun a switchblade and mace and a case with three pairs of handcuffs which he was not supposed to have because he's a convicted felon oh, um they also found a red scarf and a brown leather jacket that they take for forensics i haven't mentioned these things before no and i'm going to mention them now this leather jacket is important because there was a prostitute that they had interviewed that re- recognized a photo of Jack and remembered him in a brown leather jacket the night that Heidi Marie Hammerer went missing and she saw him talking to her. Ooh, burn. Um, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, come, I'll come back to this red scarf in a bit. It comes uh-huh. back around. Well, I mean, I, we all know that it links to that very first one. That no, he that's never the tie. That's a tie, like a necktie. Oh, it's, a t- it's like a necktie. There okay. was a red fiber found on one of the victims, and this scarf this scarf matches that fiber. <gasps> but I'm going to talk about who that victim is in a bit. Ooh, okay. Um, they also found a menu and receipts for a bunch of places in L.A. Oh, no. Um, but where is Jack? He's not at the apartment. Like I said, he had caught wind of what was going on, thought that he was going to be brought in. So he flees with his 18-year-old girlfriend through France, Canada, well, sorry, Switzerland, France, Canada, and eventually lands in New York. How does this man Um, still have a girlfriend? Her name is Bianca Marac, and he's shit to her. He, like, tries to pimp her out, no joke, makes her work as a go-go dancer, no joke. While he does nothing. He does fucking shit. Mm. <laughs> um, so, while he's on the run, he calls Austrian media outlets proclaiming his innocence. Uh, he writes letters, calls the Austrian public radio, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Ba- basically being like, they're trying to pin this on me and I'm not coming home until they say they're not going to... 
trying to garner sympathy. Idiot. Austrian police call the LAPD. Oh, no. Oh, no. And ask if they have any similar murders in the area. And indeed, they do, my friends. Indeed, they do. All three women who had been murdered in L.A. were murdered during the five weeks that Unterweger was in L.A. They used the, uh, the info from the LAPD to gain info on Unterweger's whereabouts during that time and connect all the dots. Um, and Interpol eventually <laughs> catches wind of Unterweger uh, in February of 1992 after the LAPD releases the modus operandi of the killer that they were looking for. So then Prague finds out. Oh my god! They have Blanca Bochkova's murder, which is unsolved at oh, this point. Oh my god! Um, so like I said, Jack and Bianca have been on the run, and I think they're about on the run for about three m- months. No, I lied. I don't know. I don't know when he goes. He goes on the run. Did I? Anyway, it's all in February. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm lying. It's the wine. Um, <laughs> blame it on the wine. Maybe I'm thinking on something else. Um, (laughs) so jack and bianca his girlfriend have been on the run and they eventually land in miami on february 16th of 1992 and during this time this whole time while he's on the run while the police are looking for him a bunch of his fans are speaking out about his innocence being like this is all bullshit this isn't real you are all are trying to just like he's listen it's listen i love robert downey jr and chris evans and if one of them was one of them got fucking was everybody was like i have all this evidence and they commit murder i'd be like well that's unfortunate a lot of the i wouldn't sit there and be like they're innocent Here's the thing, though. A lot of this evidence is circumstantial. Also, I really don't know why I went for Iron Man and Captain America there, but we're good. I was like, I was like mm, you like Supernatural better, but okay. I do. But I you guys want to know how this motherfucker is caught? <sighs> it's so satisfying. Okay. So, guys, you've been so angry for this whole time. Like, how the fuck did this all happen? But he Finally. gets his just desserts. Ready? Okay. Do it. Bring it on. He is contacted or he contacts. I can't really tell. I couldn't really tell. But somehow there is contact between him and a reporter that he knows from Success Magazine. And they're looking for an interview and offer him $10,000 for this interview. The editor of said magazine takes this information to the police because they know where he fucking is. That's amazing. And Interpol ends up setting up a sting with U.S. Marshals. <laughs> and on February 27th of 1992, Jack and Bianca are in Miami and they travel to a Western Union. I can't believe they got all the way to Miami. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, to pick up this $10,000 that the success reporter said would be waiting for him there. Bianca goes in, he's waiting outside, and he sees all these people around acting squirrely. So it's like you gave yourself away right away. But as she comes out, he tells her to run and takes off down the street. He doesn't get far and is in handcuffs within feet. I'm sorry, he took off on foot? Yeah. Fucking idiot. (laughs) And she, like, doesn't even know what's happening. 
and like is just holding this like ten thousand dollars in her hand and it's like, like what uh, yeah <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so while he's in jail he's accused of killing 11 prostitutes um six in Aus- in austria three in los angeles and two more in czechoslovakia um Czechoslovakia like did not want to deal with any of this and so they were like don't extradite him here like whatever (laughs) please don't give him to us we really don't want to deal with the shit but the U.S. and Austria like fought over him did they really yeah they like the U.S. wanted to give him the death penalty Um, I can understand that and Jack did not want that he thought that if he could get back to Austria like you should have a choice you piece of shit yeah exactly he thought that if he could get back to Austria, he could convince everyone that he was awesome and whatever. But eventually, That's exactly why I would have left him in the United States. Yeah, eventually he gets um, extradited back to Austria. But according to Austrian law, they can charge him for all. 11 murders maybe that's why they let him go back even be even though some of those murders did not happen in their country that's probably why they mm-hmm. why they chose to send him back to austria because he could get he could get convicted for all of the murders whereas most likely in the united states he would have only been convicted for what happened in the united yeah, states exactly exactly um so basically the lapd boxes up all of their physical evidence and sends it to austria for them to use in their trial yes queen um (laughs) and unterweger is indicted for 11 murders in august of 1992 but his trial doesn't begin until april 20th of 1994 i'm sorry all of that happened in two years what what happened in two years most of those murders oh yeah he, he got out released, in 1990. I was going to say he was released in 1990. He goes back to jail in 1992. He could not keep it. He could not do. He couldn't do it. That's basically almost a murder every other month mm-hmm. since he was released. Mm-hmm. Dear God. So <sighs> his, like I said, his trial doesn't begin until April 20th of 1994 because of legal holdups. Part, this is partially because Jack tried to delay his extradition by like, Doing How whatever. do you delay your own extradition? I'd be like, shut up and get on the plane, yeah, you exactly. piece of shit. <laughs> um, the, his trial lasted two months. And there, like I said, were several FBI agents that came to testify against him. <laughs> and to show all of the evidence that they had. I love this. Um, the prosecution used DNA evidence found in hair samples at some of the crime scenes. Oh, yeah. There was, okay, this is so crazy. Bring it on. So you remember that DNA that was found on Shannon Exley's body? Yeah. One of those six to seven samples is Jack Unterweger's. Oh, busted. Could they really prove that he did any more than have sex with her? No. No. But it's pretty damning. Um, Based on how she died and the similarities and the fact that his DNA was on her, I'd be like, hmm. It's questionable, but it fucking fits. The other DNA sample is from a hair that turns out to be Blanca Bochkova's. Wait, where? Where did they find this hair? I'm going to tell you. 
Um, Austrian police found the BMW that Jack had been driving at the time of Blanca's murder. It had been mostly sold for scraps, but they found the seats intact and one of her hairs was still in it. It had a root and they were able to link it to Blanca Bochkova. What? I'm sorry. That is like some fucking A++ like top fucking notch cop detective shit. Yes. I'm the wine's hitting, so I have no fucking good vocabulary <laughs> right now. But like, um, that's seriously impressive. The prosecution also was like, this dude has no alibi for his whereabouts during any of the crimes. What did he say when they asked him for an alibi? Do we know? He didn't. Was he just one. like shrug? At one point, he said that he didn't drive, and that was a complete lie. He had a driver's license, so they were like, um, "Sir, you bought a very specific Mustang that you had shipped overseas, yeah, and exactly. you're trying to tell me you didn't drive." That's and they were cute. like, "He's driving alone, so like he's ta- telling us all these alibis that like, what?" Um, <laughs> Sir, this does not make sense. Witnesses also came forward and claimed that they saw his car in the area by some of the crime scenes and by some of the abduction sites. I am living for how this man is going down. And you remember that red scarf? Yes. Red fibers that matched that scarf, which was owned by Unterweger, were found on one of the victims, and they were able to match it to that scarf. <laughs> Those guys dumb. Um, <laughs> during the trial, Unterweger continued to maintain his innocence. He begged the jury to spare him from a life behind bars. He was also allowed to give his own closing statement at the trial. That should not be allowed. Thinking that it would garner him some sympathy. No. In the end, on June 28th of 1994, he is found guilty of nine of the 11 murders and is sentenced to life without parole. Listen, listen. I know. Cause of death could not be determined in two of the victims because they were so badly decomposed. And that is the only reason he was acquitted of those two. Remember the one that I was like, she was found six months later. Or she yeah, no. Hans Lehofer, who was one of Unterweger's defense lawyers, said that Unterweger broke down inside when the verdict was read, and he was sent sent to Graz Karlau prison. Um, and this is a quote from the Independent. This is from Peter Humer, who was one of his staunch fans, like believed him. No oh, matter what. no. At the time, I genuinely believed that Unterweger was a reformed man. But now I feel I was deceived and that I am partly to blame. Slightly. Fuck yeah. Slightly. Yup, sir. So unfortunately... Unfortunately, Jack would not live very long in prison. (gasps) Six hours after the verdict came down at 3.40 a.m. on June 29th of 1994, he committed suicide. Piece of shit. He had made a rope from his own prison uniform using his shoelaces and the elastic from one of his tracksuits. And this is why they don't give them uniforms that have any form of elastic or shoelaces. This is in the 90s. I know. That, I'm, I was going to say anymore. Yeah. 
Um, He's got like Velcro shoes. And, and he hung himself from the curtain rod in his cell. The knot on the noose was the same. It was the same. And a lot of a lot a lot of authorities said it was his best murder. Because he Yeah, it was his best murder. He fuck killed himself with his own knot. I can't. Um I'm upset. Several <laughs> audio cassette tapes were actually also found in his cell. What? But those have never been released and um, it was like his, his him recording himself mm-hmm. the, they've never been released and the content of those has never been determined um and actually here's something great one of his lawyers later admitted that after the guilty verdict was given Unterweger told him that he was going to kill himself because he didn't want to go to jail and live in jail he also told the prison psychologist none of them believed him but they, but they did tell the prison staff as well, and nobody was watching him, and he killed himself. Okay, I went from like, this is fucking frustrating, to yay, to what the fuck? Yeah. How do you, a man sits in front of you, a man who was just convicted of 9 of 11 murders, and he tells you, I don't want to go to jail anymore. I'm going to fucking hang myself. He and didn't say hang, but I, he well, did say yeah, kill. I'm going to kill myself. And he's like. And they're just like, oh, haha, cute joke. Basically, like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You you put him in protective custody mm-hmm. under twenty four seven watch mm-hmm. so that he cannot get away with that because he deserves to rot. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. And the fact that he told multiple people and nobody did anything. Oh my god, I'm so mad. Yep. Fuck. Yeah, he got several life sentences. He was never going to get out of jail. And he knew it. He got off too easy. I'm sorry. Oh, he did. He deserved to rot for what he did. Oh, he totally did. He was a manipulative asshole. Anyway, guys. That is the very frustrating case of Jack Untervega. I can't believe that bastard was in the Cecil Hotel. (laughs) You know that the hotel was already like pretty known by that time because Richard Ramirez had stayed there? Oh, yeah. Like, before Jack Unterbanger was there? I believe it. He knew He knew what it was. He knew why he was there. Didn't he? I thought there was some kind of connection to him and Richard Ramirez. Didn't he, like, look up to Ramirez or something? Maybe. Or is that something I possibly made up in my mind? I mean, it... I feel like I heard that somewhere. And probably in that um, documentary about Elisa Lamb. Because they talk about him very briefly. They do. And I, I feel like... Very briefly. Maybe it was either that or it was possibly... The special that Ghost Adventures did. I watched both uh, Cecil? Yeah. They Maybe. Because they did. They talked about him. They talked about J- Jack. And then they also talked about Richard mm-hmm. Ramirez. And I can't remember. One of them did. I feel like one of them mentioned that, mentioned that. That he was like. He almost like looked up to Ramirez. But I I could be making that up. Don't quote me on that, guys. I, I don't remember that. But it's possible. Well, we'll find out. Well, we're not covering Richard Ramirez for Cecil. No, we're not. Sorry, Sorry, guys. guys. (laughs) We think that that's going to be a very large episode that's probably going to be multiple parts. So, I mean, this probably could have been it. No, it's only about, it's less than yours. It's less than the Dahlia episode. You talk significantly faster than I do. I'm sorry, guys. Don't say sorry. It's not even, it's not even that. It's the fact that I'm, I have a storyteller brain. And I really like to write fictional stories. 
and I have like that I almost tell it like I'm reading a book mm. and I try to like slow it down and I like get all dramatic and I, draw, I do that I like draw things out I just talk really fast you you do you talk significantly faster than I do <laughs> I talk really fast I just because at I, the time you're like oh that's nine pages that'll be like two hours and it's like an hour and a half exactly whereas if you, if you, I mean I think I did Elizabeth Short I had eight pages of notes on Elizabeth Short yeah, I'm not actually even and it was sure. Two, it was exactly two hours. I'm not even sure at it's this point true. how many pages I had. I Be- feel like it was about 10. Probably. Like the sources were on 10. Does yeah. that make sense? It was like yeah. full nine pages. Full nine pages. Because I didn't even add all of my, um, Your written, my notes. written notes. Like I had way more. Like I could have had way more. Yeah. But I was just like, ah, is this really important? Just tell the stories you think are important. But yeah, guys. That, I did a lot of research for that. My um, head was, like, dying. I got to tell you, I did not know that much about Jack Interveger. He's a fuck. He's a fuck. Fucking hit me. I'm trying to get our links up so I can read them. Are you clicking on it? I don't think I was. I've got <laughs> fat fingers. <laughs> I tapped it, like, eight also times. like, wine, like, beep, 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 beep. I was going to say my wine brain is like, yes, you're totally tapping the link, and I'm, like, five feet away from it. <laughs> so but that's crazy. I. It's crazy, though, because your, your case last week was a lot of, like, do you think George Hodel did it? Like, oh, and mine is, like, Jack did this. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even want to talk to him about him anymore. Like, he's a piece of shit. And he I did it all. Can't wait to throw and him And that's why he killed himself. Because he knew that he was going to go to jail forever. Oh, yeah. And that he wasn't going to get out of that. So this time, nobody was going to believe him when he, quote, became reformed and wrote all this fancy and it was, poems and, and shit. And it was crazy because at some point, like, they talked about this in one of the documentaries and in the um, serial killer's cast thing um that like at some point because there was nothing new to his story yeah it was all about like his past and the reform and da, 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 and that's what made him famous but some at some point that became stale and people didn't care yeah people didn't care about that they wanted something new but then his new stuff wasn't doing well like uh. i just thought that that was just like so you deserve this. Like, yeah, I was like, you fucking deserve that, dude. <laughs> you convince people to let you out so that you could m- murder again. Like, if I, like, if, ugh, if you had a chance to get out of jail for what you had done, be a reformed person. Yep. Don't be a manipulative fucking asshole who dates 18-year-old girls. At one point, he said he had sex with over 150 women. Like, who the fuck would want to have sex with that? I don't want to have sex with you. Well, based on his narcissistic diagnosis, I'm going to go with that number is horrifyingly exaggerated. I mean, maybe. But there is is still a good significant number of women that did date and or sleep with that man willingly after he was released from prison for murder. Because one of the things that they said in, I think in in the podcast I listened to about this, was that during his trial... He like was like, why do I? Why would I need to do this to prostitutes? Why would I need to sleep with prostitutes? I can get any woman I want. No, you can't. No, you can't. I would you're lit you impotent. on fire if you came Fuck. to me. You're <laughs> an impotent. Fuck. <laughs> I would have lit him on fire while Macy screamed that he's an impotent fuck. <laughs> That's, that was the conclusion of the two of us <laughs> reacting to him coming on to us. <laughs> um, ew. 
Gross. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> anyway. Strikes match. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, Nicole, where can they find us? <laughs> Well, guys, as I mentioned in the beginning, we have a wonderful Patreon. Yay! If you go over to patreon.com slash buzzkillerspodcast, you can find us there. And there are, um, if you don't know how Patreon works, this is a subscription-based website. You pay either a dollar a month or $2 a month because we're cheap dates. Cheap dates. And you get access to all kinds of fun stuff. There are, sometimes you will get early access to our episodes. Like last month. Like last month. We dropped all of our episodes a few days early. We did. Um, we post, uh, we kind of use it like a blog. We post really personal pictures, you know, fun stuff that we do that we kind of want to save as like a, like we said, I mean, like I said in the beginning, we went to that wedding at Bellhurst Castle. I posted a bunch of photos of that, you know. You can head over there if you sign up for the $2 tier. We will send you a personalized thank you card. Yes. Handwritten, signed, with a few of our exclusive Buzzkiller stickers. Yes, which are not available anywhere else. Exactly. And we will, you get more, you get, um, I'm sorry, I'm like stumbling Wine over brain. my words over, over here. 8, you get um, to be a part of our Instagram close friends list. That's where I was heading. Thank you. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we're working on m merch yes. ideas we are working on merch we are uh, going to we I mean we have all this kind of background you know behind the scenes kind of fun stuff nicole sometimes makes like really funny like not funny fun she has like this app where you can make like phone <laughs> backgrounds and she'll like post things and be like take up <laughs> I I posted like a bunch of halloween like wallpapers that i phone. made yeah so <laughs> Oh, we use it like a blog. It's fun. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the more people that head over there and help us out, we just want to let you know all of that money is going to go towards basically bettering this podcast. It is going to go to new equipment. It is going to go towards merch. It is going to go towards just. We want to do like spooky ghost hunts. We want to do a content. Yeah. It's going to go towards, like, content. Lots of content. We want to go, like, we want this to be, like, so. More, like, more than a podcast. Yeah, more than a podcast. We want, like, to do so many fun things. We've talked about doing, like, a spooky road trip or, like, a true crimey road trip where we go, yep. like, see a bunch of places and, like, we would take pictures and video yep. and, like, talk about this stuff with you guys. We want to do lives. We want to do more YouTube content where, like, you watch us doing the video, which makes me a little self-conscious, but a lot of people like that. So <laughs> yeah, like we'll set up a video camera and let you watch like, okay. But like, say yeah, exactly. And we have so many ideas and we <sighs> just, the whole point of the Patreon is to make this podcast experience better for our listeners. Exactly. So and it's all, we'd give it all for you. <laughs> we'd give it all for you. So, Basically, if you want to sign up for that, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. We appreciate your faces. Um, <laughs> we appreciate your faces, just like we appreciate Justin. Uh, <laughs> Justin. I swear to God, I'm never going to just stop shouting out Justin, okay? Hi, Justin. <laughs> Justin's what up, like, my boy? <laughs> Justin's like, I became a fan, and they became a fan of me. <laughs> yes. um, he already like was like, let's do appreciate your face merch. And I was like, yes, yes I love this. No. 
we frequently tell him we appreciate his face <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you guys would like to find our other social media, we are in a million places. We are on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok yeah. at Buzzkillers Podcast. At Buzzkillers Podcast. Um, we currently are working our way up to getting content for TikTok. We are settled into our new schedule, I feel, and I hope that that will be something that we can kind of get towards soon. We're yeah, it was like <laughs> we, d- we decided to get on TikTok and then like life hit us in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and so now we're like, okay. New jobs, start of the school year because both of our significant others are teachers and it's just like a lot's going it's on. It's been right crazy. Now. Yeah, uh, for sure. And it's officially like birthday season it's like ryan and then tyler and then it's you <laughs> and it's halloween and, and then it's, it's like, like christmas and thanksgiving it's, like, it's the busiest part of the year for us so and then like i have a million brother-in-laws and they they all have birthdays around this time yep and so we do a million different things at this point so we're getting there guys we promise work with us <laughs> um, give us ideas for tiktok content is there anything you'd like to see god if you know anything about how to function on tiktok just let us know at this point. i don't know what to fucking do that's for the young you heard my story in the beginning i couldn't even figure out how to edit and save a draft um, <laughs> <laughs> um so we are also on twitter at buzzkillers pod buzzkillers pod we are on youtube if you hop into that search bar and search us at buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast buzzkillers colon a true crime podcast hell yeah um and <laughs> while you're on youtube hit that freaking subscribe button because if you like hit that subscribe. subscribe button um after a while we will be able to create 100. our own url and then mm-hmm. you will not have to search us up anymore and play where the fuck are they you can just like type us right into your url bar and be like there they are it won't be a fun game anymore you'll have already won <laughs> you will just immediately win <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't want to immediately win exactly um so, and if you head on over there on our YouTube channel, not only do we post all of our episodes, but we also have a wonderful playlist of all of our sources. Yes. And um, there are a lot of sources for Jack Unterweger on YouTube. So I will be, uh, I will make sure I add those. Um, I went through and I made sure we were completely up to date a few days ago. We, I think there's like oh, 60 videos in our sources playlist. Crazy. There's a ton and they're really interesting videos. We would not save them or use them if they weren't good. So right. we highly recommend that. I think that's a sprinkler outside. Is that a sprinkler? I don't know. Just keep talking. Or is it a grill? <laughs> so, something's like making. It almost sounds like when you like start the hose and the water's slowly coming out and it's like spurting. I thought it was the air conditioner, but it's not on. Like, you know, that noise that it makes when it has water in it. But it's oh, yeah. done now. Maybe there's like something. There's there. just a ghost. Ghosties. <laughs> Going to do a ghost hunt in the backyard. I mean, maybe. I think somebody might be grilling. Or the kids are outside. Maybe. There's, yeah. a, there's, there's a handful of answers here. Yes. Anyway, our ADHD is going to take you back to the list of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so those are all of our social medias. If you would like to listen to us like you already are. Um, if you need a different platform, we are all over the place. We're everywhere. Pick and choose. Um, we are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Amazon Music slash Audible, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and our host platypus Podbean. We love Podbean. I freaking love Podbean. We love Podbean so much. They are worth it. They are so helpful. They distribute everything to you guys. All I have to do is schedule it and get sent out. <laughs> we there. Like, literally just it. like take the file and drop it and it's like boom, now it's everywhere. 
and we can see a million different things all of our stats which thank you guys we are nearing 8,000 downloads <gasps> let's do it in real time where we Ooh, are yeah I, I haven't looked s- in a while Ooh. to be honest I haven't looked in a while either oh I was oh, um, that was Tyler outside that was Tyler way. outside the door just slammed so hard <laughs> um, scared the poop out of me but and then no, it didn't though well she see, is not she has not pooped herself I no, I did not I promise <laughs> um, I'm not wearing my diapers today I'm just kidding <laughs> Sorry. my depends I can't I can't stop it the wine brain is taking over but while Macy looks up our listeners um, I will tell you about our very own website yes we are buzzkillerspodcast.com and if you head over there you can find it on bunch of fun stuff we have a whole page dedicated to telling you about who we are um you can read a little bit about um each one of us our likes and dislikes you can see some cute photos of macy and i we talked about going to that bellhurst castle i did put one of those cute pictures of us all fancy and dressed on the website under our like about us section um we have a whole section dedicated to all the wines we drink. There are pictures of the bottle along with the name and the description. You can click through all of those. So if it, you want to try anything at home, go ahead. Please try stuff. Like Tell and, us what you think. And Do you have 10 out of 10 mouthfeels? Exactly. We want to know. And if you want to tell us, you head over to the contact page. And you are going to find this wonderful, magnificent form where you can fill it out. And if you hit submit, it'll email it directly to us. And tell us everything, guys. Tell us stories, or I'm sorry, cases you want to hear about. Tell us topics that you think would be great for us to cover. Tell us your own personal experiences, be it ghostly or true crime. Tell us how much you love us. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us if we, I mean, if we make mistakes, be nice. Which we are human. Humans do. We will be open for a critique as long as you're not mean. Um... (laughs) We but are a bantery podcast, and I am very, wine. we are very, very open about that. We have wine, like we are talkative. We like, hit a point where we've finished a full bottle of wine, and we have to try and tell a story. Sometimes things don't come out of your mouth right. Um, so, you know, just bear with us. But um, anything, you guys can literally just send us a note that says hi, and we will appreciate it more than you know. Um so if and if you don't want to use our website, you can contact us directly. We are buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. Buzzkillerspodcast at gmail.com. And it looks like Macy, you are ready. How many listens and or I'm sorry, downloads do we officially have? Seven thousand seven hundred and ten. Ooh. <laughs> We're getting up there. I know. It's crazy. We just hit seven thousand like very recently. Yes, we did. We've been um, getting like a thousand listens a month basically we have been a, like it's we, like a little less than that but like it's been well it's basically. been growing because at first we didn't get a lot and then we hit the point where we're now almost at like it's between eight and it's between 800 and a thousand downloads every month yes um and you guys have no idea how much that means to us we check those numbers a lot and we fangirl over them because I'll, I'll text people <laughs> and I'll be like, we got 100 more listens this week. Oh, and one thing I did want to do that. Oh, no, we did this last episode. What? I'm sorry. I was going to shout out the people that wrote us. And then I was like, no, wait, wait. We actually did that last episode because I forgot that we did it. We did. We, we um, will sh- if you guys want, if, if you become a Patreon, if you want to suggest something, we will shout you out. Oh, yeah. We shout out Justin. We shout out Spaz. <laughs> What was the, who was the other person that we Zach. Shot? Zach. Yeah. See, we shout you out. 
We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and for wanting to talk to us. We it appreciate It is you. seriously awesome to hear from people oh, who yeah. listen and want to hear certain things. You guys don't understand. We just started this for our own. It was this or go back to school for me. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It, we were two people that came together with a, tr- a love of true crime. And we were like, why the heck not? Basically. And it developed into this magnificent, magnificent thing. Magnificent. <laughs> this magnificent thing called Buzz Killers. Buzz uh, yeah. <laughs> this is Buzz Killers. This is Buzz Killers, a true oh crime podcast. God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to stop doing that now. This magnificent thing called Buzz Killers. We, we created Buzz Killers podcast. <laughs> My name's Nicole. This <laughs> <laughs> is Macy. I'm Macy. So you're listening to Buzz Killers. <laughs> oh my god, you think I'm pretty? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Guys, I got I have to tell this I have to tell this thing, this story really quick. Sorry. Go ahead. My sister used to live in New York City and Hi Courtney. <laughs> Hi Courtney. Hi Courtney. Um guys would hit on her in the subway all the time cuz Courtney's the prettier sister. Um Okay, I'm not going to say lies, but like you both are equally fucking She's beautiful. beautiful. So shut the hell um, up. But when I was young, everybody would be like, "Macy's sister is so hot." And I'd be like, "Uh, great. Thanks." Um, or my mom, and I'd hi mama V, and and I'd be like, "Thank you." Wait a second. I'm sorry. People would tell you your mom is hot. I literally had a guy tell me my mom was milf. Not no joke. Okay, love mama V. But I'd be slightly disturbed if some guy was like, your mom's a I, li- I literally was like, you're never allowed to come to my house again. No, like, I literally, I'd be like, nope, go away. Get away. You Bye-bye. are not, do not come near my house. That's mother. weird. Anyway, my sister was <laughs> on the subway once, and this guy was hitting on her, and she didn't like it. So she went, oh my God, you think I'm pretty? My biological clock is kicking. I think you should meet my mom. <laughs> and the guy like was totally freaked out and like wouldn't talk to her and then she got off the the subway at some point and was like deuces bitch and he was like what because he didn't realize that she was like messing with him but she was like you think i'm pretty we should have babies like really <laughs> how to keep away the creeps 101 be weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love it anyway guys we love you so much thank you obviously for keeping with us we have so much fun doing this podcast. I hope it shows. This is literally like one of the highlights of my week. Yep. I have a great time. <laughs> and we didn't get to do it until like late in the week this week. And I was like bummed. Because um, normally it's like on a Wednesday. And I'm like that Wednesday like bumps me up for the it's, rest of the week. It's like that nice <laughs> little bump for hump day that you're like, okay, cool. We can get through the rest of the week now. And we like, didn't get to do it this week because I was not ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but now we're sliding into the weekend with this high. I know. It's going to be exciting. So um, th- uh, like I said, thanks for listening. Um. Don't be a buzzkill. Be a buzzard. Okay, bye. Bye. This episode is brought to you by BK Creations, LLC.